Hello and welcome to today's edition of Family Life Today, hosted by Dave and Ann Wilson. Family Life Today is presented by Power to Change, known in the US as Family Life. We hope the program will encourage you in your most important relationships. There's nothing better than highlights. Are we like talking? a football reel with oh, highlights, no. you know, you get to see the best plays of the year, the best plays of the season. Do you agree? Yes. Yeah, so today is uh, the best moments of the last right. year of Family Life Today. You just thought I wanted to talk about football. No, I want to talk about the best of the best. And we got David and Meg Robbins in the studio with us. They're going to hey, reminisce. Hey. We That's love right. being with We're you We're glad to be on your team, and talking I, team and, and I know you'd football. Love, I mean, Jesus. You would love to look at some Ole Miss <laughs> I, I may peruse highlights. Oh. Yeah, Today I have. Yeah. I have. Have you really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of no, course no. you have. Well, today's no theme is what? Jesus is the good life. Ooh, I like this theme. And, you know, in the last year we talked a lot about, you know, Jesus is life. I mean, he's mm-hmm. everything. And one of our favorite guests was Dane Ortland. I love having Dane in the studio with us. If you haven't read his book, Gentle and Lowly, you should get that. Read it. Give it out for Christmas this year to some friends. Definitely. That was my favorite book of the year. Was it? Was it really? Yes. Mm-hmm. It was the Christian book of the year. While we were eating lunch with him all together, I remember asking him, did you know when you were writing it, like, oh, yeah. there's something to this book? And he was like, no, felt normal. And just it's amazing how the Spirit of God comes mm-hmm. along sometimes and just anoints something. And this really is an anointed topic and book he's written. Yeah, I remember he said when you asked, I remember you asked him that. And he said, yeah, my books don't sell. And then this one just boom. And, uh, you know, as I read it, and I've read it a couple times, it gets at some truths about Jesus that are revolutionary, that open your mind to this is who he is. And here's one of the things he had to say about that. Christ himself in the one place where he tells us what his heart is when he is setting the terms. This is not one of the apostles talking about him. This is not one of the letters in the New Testament. He says the most astonishing thing. Mm. He doesn't say I'm joyful and exalted in heart or any a hundred other true things. Yeah. Yeah. He says I am way down low and extremely accessible. I'm gentle and lowly in heart. That's a savior we can enjoy being disciples to. I don't so, even think we know what that means. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the next question is explain gentle and lowly. Well, when he said he's gentle in heart, what he's saying, guys, is he is the most tender and non-manipulative, non-abrasive, mm-hmm. approachable person in the universe. The high and holy Christ, the resurrected Christ, the one who in Revelation 1, the apostle John sees and falls down as if dead. (laughs) The one who the impenitent in Revelation 6 want the mountains to fall on them so they don't have to face his wrath. That Christ, most deeply by his own testimony, is gentle. And he says he's lowly, This is almost more wonderful. You don't have to go through security to get to him. You don't have to take a ticket and get in line. He's not going to put you on hold. You don't have to raise your voice. That divine and holy, eternally existing son of God is way down low next to me in my worst, Mm. not waiting for me to get my act together and then he'll open the door to me. This is so profound and wonderful, guys, because we deeply resist this. We do not believe this. We hold it at arm's length. We stiff arm this reflexively. So the three of us and our listeners are taking a lifetime to unlearn Mm. the bad theology Mm. that Jesus is not 
gentle and lowly in heart. Yeah, and why do we resist it? Because uh, you're so right. Boy. It's like that isn't who I've always believed Jesus to be. And I'm not saying my beliefs are right. They're actually right. inaccurate, yeah. but we've carried that our whole lives. And in some ways, we even resist hearing this. We do. I do. Yeah. I do. I'm going to roll out of bed tomorrow morning, and I will not believe that. I mean, I'll, I'll believe it on paper. Hmm. But the Christ that I believe I'm approaching when I roll out of bed in the morning, is not gentle and lowly in heart. He is looking at his watch, tapping his foot, <laughs> loves me and likes me, but Dane, doofus, come on, dude. How long is it going to take? You're 42. You're a pastor. Why are you so weird, selfish, and proud and sinful? I don't know why we resisted, Dave, to answer your question, except that we are sinners. And I believe that what we do without realizing it is we project Christ. We think the Christ who is there is a bigger, better, smilier version of us. We are not gentle and lowly in our deepest heart. The heart is your motivation headquarters. It's what pours out of you. We're not that way. So we think that Jesus is just a better version of us. And uh, the scripture is defying us at that point, correcting us. A phrase that I've only heard Dane say that'll never leave my mind is Jesus is not a more gentler, mm. kinder version of us. Mm. I think it hits so strong because I think I've done that. We've done that. It's like, oh, he's like me, but a little better. Oh, my mm -hmm. goodness. So far from the truth. All I know is when I listen to Dane or when I read any of his books, I want to be with that Jesus. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times our eyes and our view of Jesus can be distorted based on other people or other things that have happened to us. But this Jesus, I want to follow. Yeah. In his book, there's an analogy that he uses of taking Jesus's hand and going deeper and deeper in the ocean. And a lot of times our skewed view of him means that when the next wave comes, we get knocked over mm -hmm. and sometimes we'll just want to get back to safety on shore. But Jesus is right there going, nope, let's go deeper. My grace is even deeper. My truth is even deeper. Come experience more of me. And Jesus keeps taking us into the depths mm. if we're willing to keep holding his hand because he is so secure. He is right there. He is not going to fall down. He can weather the waves mm. that keep coming at us so well and take us to the places we really want to go. But our view sometimes is, well, his strength is just like mine. No, his strength is so much more supernatural than we could ever imagine. Yeah, I think it takes some soul searching and real gut level honesty to think about what do I really think about Jesus? Yeah. And I think listening to Dane and reading the book really challenged me to think about what do I really believe about him? And am I following who he really is? Mm. Am I letting him be who he really is in my life? The gentle and lowly description, but also just that tenderness that he's pursuing me with this all-encompassing love that I can't even imagine, really. Yeah. You know? It also makes me want to be in the Word mm. to study mm. Him more, to study His life more, to discover more of these beautiful truths about who He is. I think, um, I may be wrong, you guys can tell me if I'm exaggerating, but I've, I've said before that I think every decision we make every single day is based on two beliefs. What do I believe about God? What do I believe about myself? Theology, identity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Dane's getting at what is, Maggie just said it. Well, how do I really view Jesus? If he's a distant God, 
every day I'm trying to prove my worth. Mm. Somebody see me, accept me. If he's a loving, gentle, present father mm. and I'm his beloved child, that's my identity. Mm. I'm secure. It changes. That's why what he wrote is so critical for us to understand. It's like. When we see him as he is, we live differently every single minute of every single day, I think. Am I exaggerating? No, it's good. For sure. I mean, we long to be fully known and fully loved, mm. and that is who Jesus is. And yeah. if we believe that, it does change everything. Yeah, we also had Blair Lynn on. She's a spoken word artist, actress, Bible teacher. And, you know, she sort of talked about the same thing in a different sort of avenue. It's like, okay, how does... God, how does Jesus fill the gaps of what we've missed from our parents? I would say, I think that the Lord does heal us. Of course, we're being sanctified. It's a process. I would say, for one, it's so important for you to understand who is your God? Who is this Father who longs to father you? And spend time in the scriptures getting to know him. You know, he is the one from whom all fatherhood, all the families derive their name, it says in Ephesians 3. And that actually, that scripture was transforming for me mm-hmm. because I realized, well, wait, fatherhood, it doesn't start with man. It actually begins with God. Like he's the one who defines yeah, good. fatherhood because he's the first father. And so I think spending more time and seeing, okay, when he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, when he says his promises to you, this is different. It's not the same as the broken promises you may have received from your earthly father. So I think starting there is important. I think also seeing, Lord willing, that the church would be a refuge to the fatherless. I see so many scriptures where God tells us to have a heart for the fatherless. Sometimes we think of the fatherless as the orphan, but it's like the person who doesn't have their father. There are many even single parents, you know, or or children who are being raised by single parents who are right in your pew. And maybe you have had a wonderful father who's talked to you about, you know, many different things. Maybe you can pour into that person who's Mm -hmm. right there in your pew. Mm -hmm. Or if you are the fatherless child, seek out those who, you know, godly men who are around you or those you see being fathered like we did and like we're doing, you Mm -hmm. know, to say we don't have this all figured out. You know, it's not like... Okay, you know, it's it's not the prosperity gospel in the sense of like, once you come to Christ, your whole life is going to be, you know, vim, 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 you know, everything's going to be great. It's like, no, we're working, we're growing in our sanctification, we're becoming more like our father as days go on. And then also knowing like forgiveness, it's a process, it takes time. Sometimes we have to forgive over and over again, Mm -hmm. especially if our parents are still near to us. Those wounds can be opened again and again. And so sometimes even when we think about forgiveness, we think it's this one and done. And no, you know, you need to forgive again (laughs) at times. Yeah, I think those are a few things that I think of that might be helpful. You know, as I hear Blair share that, I can quickly go to the things that I've processed with my parents, but I'm entering this stage of teenagers where I'm going, oh my goodness, I know I'm having an effect on my kids in a way where, you know, we frequently joke like, hey, buddy, I, you're going to, counseling will be on us, you know, like we know <laughs> that things are happening as and as good as parents were trying to be and seeking to honor the Lord in everything we do, I am so grateful knowing that I am an imperfect father, that my kids have a perfect father mm-hmm. that they can run to and be fully sufficient. 
yeah, I think it's really easy to internalize this and think of all the things that I, the mistakes I've made, the things I've said I wish I hadn't said to our kids or the wounds. I mean, we're broken people raising broken people. You know, that's the reality of parenting. But knowing that God is so much bigger than us and what the story that our kids have, they have a father who loves them more than we do, which is hard to sometimes get my head around. Mm -hmm. I think the older our kids got, the more grace I gave my parents. Hmm. You know, before I was parenting, like, man, they messed up in this and they didn't do this. And now I'm thinking, hey, they were pretty great. (laughs) Because you realize as your kids get older, like, I cannot meet all your needs. And I was never supposed to meet all your needs. Now I'm going to confess and I'm going to repent and I'm going to apologize. But I'm so grateful, as you said, Meg, that we have a loving father that fills in those gaps. I I feel like some of my hardest, toughest moments have been in recent years with adult sons coming mm. to me and saying, here's where you hurt me or let me down. Oh. It's awful. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's awful. so hard. I remember mm. sitting on a couch looking at my son and saying, I'm so sorry, because he's mm. right, I did. Mm. I just, You know, and I was trying to do the best, but like you said, Meg, we're broken people, and mm-hmm. my brokenness hurt him deeply, and he's now a man saying... And he said, I forgive you, but you could see the hurt. Hmm. And as he left and as I crawled in bed later, my my only comfort was what we just, what Blair said is God, even in that, has got him. And I can trust. I wish I could, I'd do it over. I can't. But Hmm. God is going to hold my son Mm -hmm. and my sons Mm -hmm. for the rest of their lives. And we can trust Mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. One of our... I love this guy, John Elmore, who's at Watermark Church in Dallas, and he leads recovery and uh, pastoral care there. I did not know John very well. I read his book, and then he came in, and man, oh, man. He impacted all of us so much. It was was powerful. I'll never forget some of the stories he shared, because they are stories that say the good life is one word, is Jesus. I met a girl at a party. We got married soon thereafter. It was just infatuation. You know, we're having sex. It was euphoria. Two years into that marriage, she began having an affair with one of my friends. And go figure that someone would have an affair. I mean, it was a train wreck of an alcoholic husband, you know, bringing weed, pills into the relationship, even brought porn into the relationship. And I loaded my shotgun. I called my buddy probably a hundred times in a row, hunting him. I'll kill you, and then I'll kill myself. I thought my life was over. I thought I had squandered. I was so far gone. But I knew from my childhood this phrase, Jesus saves. And so I got on my knees beside the couch that I was living on. And I said, I've squandered everything you've given me. But whatever I've left, it's yours. And God is like, give me it. Give me your divorce. Give me your alcoholism. Give me the sexual abuse you experienced as a little kid. Give me it all. And I knew soon thereafter I was going to spend the rest of my life telling everyone that Jesus is real. You are never too far gone. And he can change everything.
I love it when someone has experienced the transformation of Jesus and can't contain it. Yeah. And I remember that day, y'all burst out of the studio and there was this this buzzing of just someone who it had to express, like can't help but express the things that Jesus has done for him and the way that he is living out of that. And I hear John and I go, okay, for some of you listening to him right now, you're in a similar situation to him. And you need to have that surrender moment and know he is the good life. Jesus is the good life and surrender it all. For some of you, I'm hearing him afresh today going, okay, where's their callousness? I may not have a pending divorce or an addiction right now, but where's their callousness that I need to go, okay, God, in a fresh way, I want that vitality of who you are when you take over our lives and we get to experience your grace and mercy right now, present tense, break open my my numbness that I can grow hmm. so frequently in because I'm inoculated with a bunch of Christian stuff. God, break through it and give me the authentic Jesus through the cultural cloud I so often kind of wade through. David, I feel exactly what you're feeling. When I was with John, it felt like a holy moment where we all need to be on our knees and we need to re-surrender or we need to give him everything. And remember John talking about like every morning he gets on his knees and he surrenders everything. And that has impacted me. But I think you're right. We can hear this like, oh, that's a good podcast. Oh, that's a good radio program and not move or work on it or in the moment, give Jesus everything. So I like your challenge of asking one another, like, where are we? How are mm-hmm. we doing spiritually? I think it's a good thing to take a look deep inside. Yeah. Even as I hear you say that, Anne, I go, okay, it's one thing to have that reflection now. It's another thing to go call a close friend mm-hmm. or your spouse or someone you trust and go, hey, I'm prompted and I don't know what to do with it, but I want you to circle back. Maybe right now you should send a text. And all of us could send a text to someone going, okay, I'm prompted to resurrender, and this is the area, I want you to circle back with me on this. Yeah, I know that even listening to that clip again, I remember, again, we all just felt it. It's like a zeal, a passion, a fire that is so easy to have initially, and then it just sort of like marriage. You have it at the beginning, it just goes away, and you lose that first love. And hearing him say that again ignites something in us. Yeah. I've shared this before, but when I got on my knees and surrendered, I feel like it was if in heaven, Jesus was was like, okay, if you're all in, I've got a life for you you never saw coming. And John's living that life. I think we're all living that life. Mm. It's like Jesus is like, I can't do it until you give me everything. And the second you do, it's like, here we go. And I'm not saying there's not hard times. I'm not saying... There's not valleys because we go through valleys, but there is a life that is the good life, and it's so different than what the world will tell you. It is Jesus, and that's what John reminded us of. This this whole day has been that reminder, and I just know this. There's someone listening, and you're going, I want that. I want that life. Guess what? You can do what John did. You can do what David and Megan, Ann and I have all done. At some moment in our life, we have surrendered all. And it's sort of daily, but God meets you in that moment and says, okay, I love you and I've got something for you and I'm going to not just meet you here. I'm going to use you to meet others. And I just want to say this. If it's hit you, today's your day. Surrender. And here's the other thing. Share this program with other people because God is going to meet them in the same way. 
want to thank David Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as Power to Change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Need help building that heart-to-heart communication between you and your preteen while laying a foundation of purity that will prepare them for the turbulent years ahead? Check out Passport to Purity on our website, families.powertochange.org.au, under the Resources tab. You're invited back tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today presented by Power to Change in conjunction with this radio station.